Welcome to the Your Own Food Coach podcast. My name is Pamela Kelly. I'm a registered dietitian and nutritionist for over 25 years. We have created this podcast to have a conversation to explore the world of food and nutrition, health and body image together. You've come to the right place. This is episode 15, Attuned and Intuitive Eating, The Principles. I want to start off with a quote. Treating your body as an object to be changed only makes your world smaller. Viewing your body as an instrument that you inhabit while you live here on earth makes your life in your world bigger and better. Today we're going to talk about living in your body, trusting your body, and respecting your body. If you've listened to any of my previous podcasts, you know that my heart and professional belief is that the relationship we have with food has to do with how you feel about your body and intuitive nature. Whether it be a food sensitivity, a gut issue, or a diet that you feel is right with you, being attuned to your relationship with food is paramount to that solid, healthy life we all want. As usual, I like to refer you to a particular book, and I've mentioned this one before. I find it very helpful, and today I'm recommending that you look at the book Intuitive Eating by Evelyn Triboli and Aleish Rish, and her last name is spelled E-R-E-S-C-H, Aleish Rish. Both of these wonderful professional women are registered dietitian, and they have worked extensively on the subject of intuitive eating. One reason why this groundbreaking work is so successful is that it's based on scientific research and has been backed up year after year after the original publication in 1995. This book is now published all over the world and is in its third printing, and it has been developed to include training programs for professionals and workbooks to be used in the office with clients And just recently, they've started a new one for Intuitive Eating for Teens, which is a fantastic book. They don't even know how much I promote them, but it is important to me that you understand this is something that I use in my office. The truth is, though, that intuitive eating is often misunderstood by many people, and they might include this type of practice, but they piecemeal parts of it together Let me try to explain this to you, and hopefully it'll clear it up. I'll share how my patients and clients have used this program in the office, and I'm going to explain the 10 tenets of intuitive eating. The model of intuitive eating is well-defined and very much evidence-based. This means it's been validated and has a precise manner in which it has to be delivered. The three main components to intuitive eating are an unconditional permission to eat, eating for physical rather than emotional reasons, and reliance on the internal cues that we all have for hunger and satiety or fullness. The intuitive eating, and I'm going to call it IE for short, is based primarily on the permission to eat. To eat as much as you want and when you want to. 
And it allows the body to weigh what it needs to weigh in response to your positive and self-respecting approach to food. Essentially, intuitive eating allows for eating on demand without so much structure that you might expect from a planned diet. And this in itself is very frightening for someone who yearns to be told what and when to eat. Many of the clients that come to me come to me because they want a meal plan. They want to be told what's best for them. And if you think about the effects of social media on our eating style and on the different diets out there, it's really hard to learn to trust yourself again. So I refer to the quote that I made right when I started. It's learning to live inside your life and inside your body as as a subject rather than an object. If you are in tune with hunger and satiety and the discipline comes from being in tune with food and eating, you will find it so much easier to eat and feel good about the foods that you eat. Let me explain more. The task is to be in touch with hunger, with your appetite and eating when hunger reaches a a critical defined level, which is different for you than it is for me and different from our other listeners. Hunger has to be understood and eating food that is appetizing and satisfying. In other words, being able to expose yourself to the amounts of food that in the past might have caused you fear until fear is finally neutralized. Definitely, it needs to be worked on one principle at a time and usually in a session with someone who understands intuitive eating and who can encourage and help you replace negative eating attitudes with positive ones. And this is really scary territory. My clients tell me that they are afraid if they allow themselves to follow the very first principle, which is to reject the diet mentality. They are afraid that they'll eat the universe. They tell me they're afraid they'll never stop eating, that they'll eat fast food all the time that they'll eat donuts or chicken fingers or popcorn or potato chips or whatever else that food might be that they feel like they have to judge and that they have to be in control of. Now, think about this for a minute. And remember, there's evidence to support what I'm telling you. Suppose it's donuts and you've allowed yourself to eat donuts, all the donuts you want. I don't know how many is that. Four donuts, five donuts, a dozen donuts. The only caveat to this is that you need to be physically hungry and stop when you're physically full. How many donuts do you think you'd eat the first day? How many donuts do you think you'd eat the second day? How about the third day? How about the fourth day? I'm pretty sure that by the fourth or the fifth day, you're going to want a bowl of oatmeal. or You're going to want scrambled eggs. You're going to say, I've had enough donuts. But I'm telling you, if you let yourself eat those without judgment, without rules, without any kind of external rule set or judgment on that, internal regulation will set in. You'll decide that donuts may have a place in your life. It might be on Sundays after church. It might be on Wednesday nights with girlfriends and a cup of coffee. It might not be near as much as you thought. But to exclude donuts because it's not in your diet is going to set you up. Restricting does not work. And it does trigger primal hunger that could lead to binge eating 
if you're not careful. Some feel that eating without rules and guidelines is a dilemma because it doesn't address nutrition needs and nourishment. I mean, come on, after all, I'm a dietitian and I'm telling you to eat a donut. But that's not true. On the contrary, most people find that eventually they begin to eat foods that are both nourishing and rewarding. And that honestly, the idea of planning and preparing and serving and eating food is a large, large part. And respecting the appetite means that even if you plant a food and you don't have to necessarily eat it because it's there, understand that with awareness always comes a choice. And that choice is centered on the self. And that is a key to intuitive eating. Absolutely. So rule number one is reject the diet mentality. Remember that restriction causes scarcity and scarcity leads to overeating and overvaluing a food like the donut and food obsession. Many clients will tell me that they've been diet junkies yearning and learning for that one diet that will finally work. And if diets really worked, it would not be a billion dollar industry, would it? I have an entire podcast on hunger and you might want to check it out. Because principle number two is you've got to honor your hunger. The mind cannot function and think properly if it is not well fed. You have to be biologically fed with adequate calories and carbohydrates. And if you don't, it will induce a primal drive to overeat. If you can truly relearn what hunger is, it's going to set the stage for the next next principles of intuitive eating. What are some of the reasons why you might not be honoring your hunger? Some of my clients have told me that they feel more in charge and they're proud of themselves and of their control when they let themselves be hungry. They feel thinner. They feel lighter. Others tell me that hunger scares them and that they feel out of control They feel weak, and and they don't want to ever allow themselves to feel hunger. Either way, hunger is a natural biological function, and you will not function well without honoring it. You're likely to get caught up in an obsessive cycle about worrying about food and have difficulty making decisions. And the experience we just talked about a donut, you let yourself get too hungry, it's very hard to notice when you've had enough. Eating regularly means having at least two to three meals a day, and it helps you get in touch with that gentle hunger rather than the extremes that we see with chaotic eating. Number three in intuitive eating, principle three, is make peace with food. Take risks. Try the donut experiment. Add new foods when you're ready. Do it gradually, maybe with baby steps. But when you make peace with food, the food police disappear. So many folks have come to me and they, they've either binged or they ate all the foods they are absolutely positive. I'm going to tell them to never eat again. We call this the last supper. It doesn't work. They're surprised when they come in and I tell them that I want them to eat what they want to eat as long as they Make peace with it and reject the idea that the core value of life needs to be a diet. It's very, very important that you try fear foods when you're ready and include things when you are not overstressed, 
over hungry, or have other feelings going on in your body. In other words, the donut experiment is not a good thing to do when you've just found out you lost your job. It's definitely not a good decision when you haven't eaten all day. So making peace with food and trying foods mean you've got to do it with a little bit of awareness of self. Remember, awareness means choice. Principle number four, challenge the food police. In intuitive eating, you have to challenge the thoughts and beliefs that you've said about food. Take morality and judgment and rigidity out of it. You're not going to get to heaven any quicker just because you're following a diet. Silence the food fight. You have to do this. And believe me, most people feel such a sense of relief when they realize that if they challenge the thoughts and beliefs they've had about food, they've got a lot more time to think about things that really matter in their lives. Number five, feel the fullness. You can't rely on fullness signals in the beginning phases of recovery of any kind of eating style because, as my clients tell me, fullness makes them feel fat, and it's a scary feeling for some people. So just like hunger, if fullness is a trigger to you to think that you've done something wrong or you feel judgment or you feel miserable, you need to back up, slow down, and feel what the fullness is telling you. Fullness is an amazing thing, and I did an entire podcast on fullness itself. So again, some people want to feel extremely full. There's a satisfaction they feel from being full. Back up and think about that. Like, what is being full really doing for you? You have to transition away from feeling the extremes of fullness that could be experienced if you overeat. Once you get regular eating established, gentle fullness is a feeling that'll resonate in you. You'll feel no longer hungry. You'll feel satisfied. You'll feel content. And when you are withdrawing from dieting behavior and allow yourself to feel full, you'll notice it might come sooner sooner than you thought. And you might actually notice that feeling of fullness with a sense of gentle understanding. Number six, the satisfaction factor. Frankly, this is one of my favorites. Frequently, there's there's definitely fears and resistance to feeling pleasure from food. And think about the donut again. If you eat something and you really enjoy it, my clients tell me sometimes they feel guilty for that, that they feel like if they have pleasure from eating, they've done something wrong. In Japanese culture, the satisfaction factor is a very, very important thing. There's a majesty and almost a Zen experience of eating if you allow satisfying foods and an eating experience to be there. It's not impetuous. It's not going to lead to binge. It's enjoyment and it's satisfying. And it's part of the eating experience that is really important to intuitive eating. And if you've ever been on a diet, you know as well as I do, the satisfaction is not there. Number seven, coping with emotions without using food. Now, this is a big one. My clients tell me, and I'm sure maybe many of you have felt this way too, that by not eating, And being hungry, you can shut down emotion. You can flatline. You can keep from feeling. So emotions can be controlled by hunger. 
That's not going to help you deal with the emotion and nor will eating. Food restriction, food rituals, obsession, obsession thinking about food are coping tools used with using emotion and eating together. With renourishment and relearning, you'll be more prepared to deal with emotion without using food. Now, those of my clients that overeat, binge eat, emotionally eat, etc., have really damaged that natural mechanism that we have without using food and emotion together. You have to be able to take the time to tease out these behaviors and check in with yourself. There's an experiment that I want to share with you in a minute about dealing with experiencing your feelings and separating it away from food. That's number seven. Number eight, respect your body. Now, the experiment with donuts, you might argue with me that that's not respecting your body to allow yourself to eat what you want. But the truth of the matter is respecting your body means loving who you are and loving the experience that you have with your body, understanding your own sense of hunger and fullness, understanding your need to be able to be satisfied with the foods that you eat, understanding that sometimes you want more or you want less. You have to respect your body here and now. Number nine, exercise. Exercise is important when you think of it as joyful movement. Over-exercising can be punitive and suffering for the body. Moderate exercise can help with stress, anxiety, and can help you improve the relationship with you have with your body. It can help you understand your own hunger and your own level of fullness when you learn to be in your body and use exercise as a way to move and appreciate your body, not punitive. Number 10, honor your health. This is hard. You have to learn to remove the rigidity of nutrition when rules are there. When there's a strict adherence to nutrition principles, regardless of your source, you've turned intuitive eating into yet another diet. Recognize that your body needs adequate amounts of fat, carbohydrate, energy, and variety of food. And that when you have a strict belief, to anything, it's going to set up the idea that violation and consequences will ensue. The body needs what it needs, and it needs variety, balance, and moderation. I think it's important that you look at that when you're thinking of eating styles in general. There's lots of information about intuitive eating, and I encourage you to think about this. Now, to close, I want to help you Look at your body and go through a body scan that will help you separate emotions from eating and understand that your body is always going to do the best that it can and your body does not want to suffer. This is called a body scan. I do this in my office many times with patients and I encourage you to do this. Obviously not while you're driving down the road or walking with your dog. You're going to have to go back to the house to do this and get it in a comfortable position. But the idea would be to get out of your head and go into your body, to sit in a comfortable position and feel the support of your feet on the floor and notice the support that you actually have from wherever you are. 
Feel your ankles and your bones. Feel your toes and your shoes. Feel how the ground accommodates your body. Feel your, your skin and your calves and your shins. And notice how it feels to sit in a chair supporting your body. Take your attention to your knees, your thighs, into your body. And notice how strong you feel. Notice the bones and the muscles again in your, in your shins, in your calves, in your thighs. Going out of your head and physically see if you can feel yourself in your body. Notice your sit bones sitting in the chair, the cushioning and supporting and protective way that it feels to sit in a chair. Notice your abdomen. Notice the way that it feels with your organs. And think about your stomach, your intestines, all the things on the inside of your body and the majestic way that the human body works. Notice if it feels full or if it feels empty. And again, I encourage you to get out of your head and see if you can literally locate yourself inside the body. Move up into your chest and notice the rise and the fall of your lungs as you breathe in and out. Then notice your back as the back sits against the back of the chair. And again, that lovely support that you feel in the body. Notice the bones and the muscles and maybe tinges that you might feel along your spine and your vertebrae as you sit. Notice the powerhouse and the strength that your back offers you. Then think about your arms, your forearms. Think about your hands and your fingers, your biceps and triceps, your shoulders. Notice if you, there are any tension that you might feel if you're gripping your hands or your arms or if your shoulders feel tense. Again, this is a scan of your body, so get out of your head and go into your body. Notice your neck. Notice how you swallow. Notice the change that you feel as you swallow. Notice your face, any tension you might feel in your, in your cheeks, in your chin, in your eyes, in your nose. Now go up into your head. And notice your head, not in your mind, but your head itself, the weight of it sitting on your shoulders. And then close your eyes and go into your headspace, this time metaphorically of what you're thinking. It's a good idea to practice this type of body scan when emotions are running high and you're trying to get in tune with those intuitive eating principles. How could you ever understand hunger and fullness and what you think and what you need if you're not getting into your body and paying attention. So I'm going to close by repeating how I started this beautiful, beautiful poem. And I don't know who to attribute this to because it's not in quotes and it's not attributed to anybody. Treating your body as an object to be changed only makes your world smaller. View your body as an instrument that you inhabit and where you live and where you live your life. It will make your world bigger and better. This closes our podcast today, and I want to thank you for joining me. I want you to remember that we're all in search of answers, that maybe it's the questions we need to ask, or maybe we're not asking the right questions. If this podcast brought up questions for you, 
I encourage you to talk to family and friends and to me as a nutrition therapist. I offer virtual nutrition coaching sessions and have worked with people all over the world. Please share this podcast and subscribe. And as always, we welcome your comments. And of course, I'd like to send a special thanks to my producer, Brian Strickland, and my brand manager, Malia Smith. Without them, this podcast would not be possible. Thank you. The information presented on this podcast is for the enjoyment of all listeners. It is not intended as either medical or medical nutrition advice or counseling, nor is it specific to any particular individual. It is not intended to replace counseling, medical nutrition therapy, or treatment. Contact a healthcare professional if you are experiencing problems that seem health-related. Please contact 911 if you are having an emergency.